created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. We're going to leave off with that. That's an interesting interesting book and an interesting chapter when you begin to delve in to God's creation. How many of you at some time or other have just experienced a real restless feeling inside of you? Kind of a nervous type of a feeling. And when you experience that, immediately we begin to think that it is, it is perhaps a a nerve uh, problem, nervous disposition, the devil begin to talk to you and begin to tell you that this is wrong and that's wrong or something else is wrong. But I dealt with this some time ago in my life and learned that there is a restlessness that's placed within us by God. And that is because at one time God himself and still is the restless spirit of God. God is restless. He never stands still. He's never in one place at, at one time, all the time. And I read that where it said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And this, of course, clearly indicates that the earth, at that time after that, had undergone a clasmatic change as a result of divine judgment. When you look at it and read concerning it in your Bible, you'll find that God created something good did not create it void, did not create it dark, but something evidently had happened there that had destroyed the earth and destroyed perhaps some inhabitants at that time even before Adam and Eve that lived upon the face of the earth. We have no idea whether these are angelic beings, whether these were some type of human beings. We have no way of knowing that or understanding that other than we know that when it said the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep, that God become restless, seeing something that he created for beauty that had become darkened, had become star scarred. And everywhere you look and read, there's intimations that connect to previous habitation and testing and fall of angels and others. You can notice that in Ezekiel, you notice that in Isaiah, you can notice that in Jeremiah, and places almost everywhere you find that these uh, this had happened. And I want you to notice also... In Genesis 1.28, and it talked about Adam and Eve, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth. didn't say plenish the earth, but replenish. In other words, that means that it's to be done over again. So that one little word in there, and that stands true from the original Hebrew or Aramaic, whatever is written it, it stands true that that is the exact word, replenish the earth. In other words, do it over again. Inhabit this earth. But I want you to notice that God looked out over his creation that he had created for good. The Bible says it was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And when God looked at that, God could not then, neither can he today stand darkness without a light to penetrate it. And when God looked at that, the spirit inside of him become restless. He did not create this earth for that. Did not create it to be void. Did not create it to be 
craters every place. Did not create it without someone to be able to live on it. And God could not stand void or emptiness. Never could and still can't today without something to fill it. And so the Bible says that restless spirit of God moved. There's a word that says he brooded. In other words, kind of like a mother hen would brood over her eggs. The Spirit of the Lord began to brood or began to move upon the face of the earth. That presence of God began to bring that void together and fill that which was empty, and he caused light to dispel the darkness. Now, I said all that to say this. That is the natural side of the thing. I want us to look tonight on the side of where we live, the spiritual side. And God looked upon humanity when he fell. God looked upon Adam and Eve. God looked upon humanity. He gave them the blood of bulls and goats just to cover. Nothing could remit sins. And God looked and saw that there wasn't no sacrifice perfect enough. And God was not satisfied. God was not satisfied with the sacrifices of bulls. He was not satisfied with the sacrifices of goats. He was not satisfied really with the fact that he did not actually know how humanity in his fallen state felt. And God desiring to know how he felt. No, I love him tonight for that. Desiring to know how, how, how we felt, desired to come and sit where we sit and feel what we feel and live among sin and yet without sin that he might present that body as a living sacrifice. And so the restless spirit of God began to move again as he viewed humanity. I like to feel he saw me. I like to feel that he saw you. I like to feel that he spanned the generations of time from the beginning and end, and he saw us all and knew that we needed something, and so he become restless in his spirit. Restless enough that he veiled himself in human flesh, and came down and walked among men. Came down and lived like we lived. Came down and felt like we felt. And came down and experienced all the things that we experience today. When we're sick, there's something about that greatness of God that He knows how you feel. If you're despondent, He knows your despondency. If you're discouraged, He knows your discouragement. Because He walked among men. Because he was moved with compassion. I think Matthew 9.36 says when he saw one time, he saw the multitudes. Now if that would have been us, we would have saw the multitudes. But I'm asking us, tonight there was something about that multitudes that moved him. There was something when he viewed them that he was moved, the Bible says, with compassion. Because they fainted. And they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. This God-man stood and surveyed his creation with their emptiness, without any light to light their pathway whatsoever. And he saw their emptiness and he saw them wonder and they had no direction. And he saw the darkness that is increased their very soul and as it darkened their very lives. And the Bible says, and he was stirred and he was moved. There was something about humanity in his suffering that always moves God. It moved him then, saints of God, and it still moves him tonight. He sees us. He knows where we're at. He knows the path we walk. 
and he was moved. He was stirred within his spirit. And he began to fill their void as he declared in John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. In other words, you need some direction. You need somebody to follow. You've followed humanity. has led you nowhere. Here I am, God veiled in the flesh. Here I am, you follow me. And if you'll follow me, I'll lead you in the paths of living water. He also saw their need and their emptiness and he said in John 6:55 my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed in other words he was stirred as to supply the spiritual things of God he gave light to the darkness when he said in John 8:12 I am the light of the world when you can look in the brightness of the sunlight and it is nothing compared to the brightness of almighty God so when you walk in darkness, remember he has already walked there before you and he has dispelled the darkness. He was moved with compassion upon us and upon our lives. Talks about in Matthew 14, a blessed, blessed chapter where it says, Jesus went forth again and saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. In other words, his eyes stood there, the eyes of the Master, and beheld a multitude of lonely, of frightened, of sick, and of deserted people that had lost their leader, who was John the Baptist. Hardly knew which direction to turn, but they did remember some words of their leader. When John the Baptist looked at them and said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. In other words, you look to him, there'll be a time when I'm not here. And he said, he must increase, but I must just decrease. And when John was beheaded, they went to Jesus. We've said this before, and after telling them of the hymn of their problems, Jesus turned around, got in a boat, and left them like that. But they were so desirous and so intent upon doing what their master had said, that they walked 31 miles around that lakefront just to get into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus saw that, and that spirit began to move in him again. <laughs> Hallelujah! I like it when God's spirit begins to stir. And it began to stir that flesh. And it began to stir that body. And he was moved at the plight they was in, and stretched forth his hand and supplied their needs. And that did not just stay with Jesus. That spirit that God portrayed at the beginning of time, all down to the ages of time on his prophets and on his apostles, did not just stay with Jesus. It came and lit upon those that received the power of the Holy Ghost. And sometimes we get so comfortable in our way of life, in our living, in our religion, and in our salvation that we're hardly stirred by the plight of humanity. And that's what happens inside sometimes when we're having a good day. And things are happening and falling into place for our lives. And then all at once, there's a restless feeling inside. There's a nervousness in there sometimes. And all we want to do is go someplace and let tears fall from our eyes and pray to God Almighty because something is being stirred inside of us. 
That Holy Ghost that God placed there one time and give us the advantage of having it is not satisfied unless it's seeking and praying God and asking Him to salvage His soul from the cesspool of humanity and it drives us to our knees. And of course the devil's right there saying there's something wrong with you. You oughtn't to feel that way. Saints, feel that way. I said feel that way. And realize that the Spirit of God is seen souls as lost and undone. And flesh of course rebels. But the Spirit says be moved by my presence. Be concerned about humanity. Be concerned about the lost, the dying, the despondent, and the discouraged care about them. Let that Spirit inside of you be stirred tonight until we're not satisfied. Until we beseech God to move upon me man to the altars of praise and adoration. Friend, there's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's a world out there that needs stirring and I can't stir them and you can't stir them and there's something inside of us that can stir humanity and move them into the presence of God and we need to recognize that. I'm not despondent at all when something inside raises up. I become dissatisfied with where I live. I become dissatisfied sometimes with what I'm doing. And more than anything else, I become dissatisfied with myself. And that spirit inside is seeing and knowing that there's somebody out there that needs a prayer upon our lips. There's people out there that don't have anybody to pray for them. Nobody to intercede for them. And God put the church here and said, You intercede for them and you witness to them. And as God was not satisfied to sit still, came to the earth, he didn't have to, left the glories of heaven, veiled himself in flesh, come down and felt the infirmities of it all, and felt suffering you and I will never have to feel, and gave his hands to the cross, gave his feet to the cross, and gave his blood and it might cleanse and wash away the sins of humanity. And it was something inside that caused him to stay there. Humanity cried out, Father, if it's thy will, let this cup pass from me. That something inside stirred in him. And he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he gave his hands, his feet, and his body to the cross of Calvary. And that blood redeemed us. And we're living a redeemed life because of Calvary. We're living in a day and age where humanity needs to be stirred more than ever before. And I thank God sometimes for coming in and ruffling my nest up a little bit. For making me not quite so happy about things that's going on. And shaking me up and making me realize uh, my bank account doesn't mean anything. Uh, that things in my home doesn't mean anything. My automobile doesn't mean anything. It's all necessary. I have to have it. But there's something takes preeminence over that. And I become restless in the spirit when I realize Jesus is coming soon. Uh, and humanity is lost. And it needs the church of the living God. Uh, I've got friends that's lost. Brothers and sisters that's lost. Uh, and uh, I've got children, some of them that's lost. Uh, that something needs to stir inside of me. And I say, God, don't let me rest until I touch the borders of your garment until you some way deal with a heart. A heart that's never been dealt with before. A heart that has known you. God, deal with that heart. Move, God. If that spirit was restless at the very beginning, God, it's the same one. It's the same one. It's no different. If God was God in the beginning, 
and God the power and the Holy Ghost fill my life. And that's God, then it's the same Spirit. And I think He still sees the world just like He always did. Lost and dark and needs a light. And Jesus said while He was in the world, I am the light of the world. And then He pointed His finger at those He knew was going to be the church. And He said, Now then, ye are the light of the world. And He still needs the world that is darkened, knowing that there's no other thing that can lighten the world except the Word of God, which is a light unto our pathway and a lamp unto our feet. And if that spirit was restless then, if it was moved then because of chaos, friend, it must be moved tonight. I'm sure our world is in good shape. God made it that way as far as the earth, terra firma, is concerned. But God looks further than that. And He looks upon the hearts of humanity and He sees this world in chaos. He sees drugs seizing our young people. He sees lethargy taking over the church world, so to speak. He sees individuals that know Him unconcerned about anybody but themselves. He sees all of this. Drunkenness every place. Sin on the rampage. Allowing almost anything to happen in this world. Humanity is in chaos. Humanity is in darkness. And God has placed that torch in the hands of His church. And He says, run with it. Take it to the world. And that spirit was stirred then, must still be stirred. It was stirred in the humanity of Jesus. It was stirred in the apostles. I want you to notice just one example, and there's millions of those examples Paul, of course, had been run out of town. In fact, three or four of them. <laughs> you wouldn't imagine a preacher being run out of town. You go and write a resume. If I was going to write a resume, somebody uh, tell me to write a resume of, of, of what you have accomplished and send it to a church and try out for pastoralship. And I said, I preached here and I created a riot. And I preached here and I was run out of town. And I preached here and they let me out, of, out over a wall and all of this. How many churches do you think today would hire me? <laughs> And yet that was the great Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle in this world. And he'd been run out of town, so to speak, and he was in a place called Athens. Now he didn't have to do anything there. He could have took some R&R. &R. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes, he could. And I'm sure old flesh said, you rest, you deserve it, boy. <laughs> Amen. I don't know why I said that other than I say that to myself once in a while. You deserve it. You just go ahead and take it. And humanity does need it. I'm not getting on that. But Paul, of course, waiting there, had some friends there with him, but he was concerned about one of them, so he sent the others on. And the Bible says while he was there, he noticed the town filled with idolatry. That didn't set well with this boy. Something happened in here. <laughs> Spirit began to churn and began to come restless. And he began to wonder as he surveyed all of their gods. And he never saw the only God around and ever saw him. But he did notice one that says to the unknown God. They were so superstitious that they didn't want to leave any God out. Every God known to them at the time they had altars or places for them. I was talking to one lady and she says, uh, and she, she knows, she said they were little booths. 
that they had standing before those gods and they would come in and sit in those little booths and they'd worship this God. It could be Jupiter, Mars, almost ever known God. At that time, they had them there. They were superstitious people, really religious people. <laughs> you know, religious people got a lot of gods. Redeemed people just has one. <laughs> Amen. That's all. Redeemed people just have one God, and that's God Almighty. But they went on to say, and she got this someplace from a historian, Josephus, I think, probably wrote about it. And she says when Paul surveyed that, he certainly was not an idolater, and he wasn't about to go around and sit in any of these booths and, uh, as a sign of worship to that God. But he did notice this one, to the unknown God. And he says, that's my opening. Well, that's my opening. I'm sure flesh said, Ah, oh, Paul, will you stop it? Will you cut this out? Just sit here and for one time in your life, behave yourself. Don't be messing with things like you messed with it every place else and got the Jews all upset until they created a riot. And that's one thing about Paul. That spirit was restless enough that he created a revival or he created a riot. And I say, God, some way, get the church back there where people just can't sit in the midst of a service and never be chained. Get your church where it can either salvage them or cause them to become angry. Amen. People just complacent in services for the most part. That's because inside of us, for the most part, there's no restlessness inside. We're all right. Everything's fine. We're just enjoying the goodness of God. But what about somebody out there? Or do we ever see them anymore? What about somebody out there that is not as fortunate as we are? That don't have anybody? So flesh probably just said, just behave yourself for one time. Just sit on it. <laughs> just, just don't do anything. But inside, inside, the same Holy Ghost. How many is just one? And the same Holy Ghost that you and I have become restless in that man. Until something inside says, Paul, you can't do it. You can't leave them without at least a light. To lighten the void in the emptiness in their life. And so he comes and he sits in that booth that says to the unknown God, and this is what created the stir. According to that, nobody had ever sat in that booth before. And here was Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, was sitting in that booth. And they began to ask him some questions. <laughs> and he began to tell them about his God. About the God that fills the heavens and the earth. How about the gods some of their poets even wrote about? And he said, in whom we live and breathe and have our being. He's our God. And challenged, moved by the presence of God. Hallelujah. I like it when I'm stirred. I like it when place sometimes is just a little bit on that. Just a little bit dissatisfied with itself. There's nothing wrong with me. And there's nothing wrong with you. Perhaps that should be the thing more than anything else. 
especially if we enter in to the last days when we know that Jesus is coming soon. Perhaps there ought to be more restlessness. But he received that same spirit. He saw the people void of direction, void of substance, a people empty of truth, a people in darkness to idolatry, and his spirit was stirred, and he presented to them a God that they'd never heard and did not know. Prophecy, of course, declared in Second Peter 1 and 21, says, For prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake, as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. They didn't just speak. They wasn't maybe as accomplished in our diction sometimes as the world is today. Maybe they wasn't as wise in how to present. Maybe they never learned. Like I've never learned how to uh, gesture, gesture, gesture just right. Maybe they haven't learned how to get the words out. And maybe they haven't learned how, how to be just as intellectual as you can be. Maybe they haven't learned that. But there's one thing they did learn. Is that they couldn't say anything worth saying except God moved upon them. And His Spirit moved upon them. They were aware of that. The Holy Ghost moved upon them, and then they spake. God, you move us back to that day where we not be as proud and not as be as intellectual, but when we stand behind your sacred desk, where we stand, let us know that the words we're saying is motivated by the Holy Ghost. God, you send it to your people. You let them understand it. You let them discern it, God. And you place it upon humanity. And let him know he's nothing anyway. Just a vessel to be used by the power of the Holy Ghost. And God give us anointing behind the pulpit. And then we'll get anointing in the pew. But God give us some anointing. Get us some concern. Get our spirit restless inside until the call of God in our life can't lay dormant anymore until it's fulfilled to its highest and to its highest. And let us look the devil in the face and say, do what you will. Just say what you want to say. And I know what motivates me. I know what's inside of me. I know where I stand in God. We receive the same Spirit, friends. We ought to be stirred tonight. We ought to be stirred with the apathy of the world. We ought to be stirred with the concerns of humanity. We ought to be concerned about the division to the church world all over and the names placed upon the doors of churches. We ought to be stirred about how the devil has been able to come in and suddenly divide his people and cause us to fight and devour one another. We ought to be stirred about that, stirred enough that we'd say, God, give me a spirit of unity, desire and concern. We ought to be concerned and stirred about boys and girls and men and women had at one time shouted the blessings of God, one time spoken tongues as a spirit give utterance, and now that lies dormant in our life. We ought to be stirred enough to intercede that God would move and motivate them one more time under the inspiration of the power of the Holy Ghost and not let it rest until it happens in our life. We ought to be stirred enough that humanity would not dare come into our services with the expectation of leaving the same way they came in. 
we ought to look out and realize that this world needs a stirring of God, a stirring of the Holy Ghost. When man's tried in his way long enough, all the intellect in the world will never save a soul. All the wisdom and age is, is never going to save us whole. The only thing that ever saved it was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit of God to draw mankind. So I'm stirred inside. I'm stirred when bad things happen to good people. I don't like it. I don't like it. And I can't become apathetic about it. I can as far as I'm concerned. I could sit back and my humanity could say they got themselves into that mess, letting them get themselves out. And I saw that. I know we do that. I've done that. I'll probably do it again. Probably not listen to God. Probably haven't followed the Spirit of God. Got myself in spiritual messes, financial messes, natural messes. And I know that. I mean, just whenever he desires to get them, seems like he can just walk in, snap his finger, and there they are. Have you ever noticed he can walk into the, some of the most beautiful, prayerful, uh, humble homes in this world and snatch your children like that? And seems like there's nothing we can do about it. This stirs me, children of God. This stirs something inside that makes me want to stand up and say, Devil, you can't do this to God's people. We refuse this, God. We're not going to have it. We're going to stand against it. Just to stay there and say, well, it's the times. It is times. But friend, it's not time for us to let go. And it stirs me when it can do that. It bothers me and stirs me when saints uh, ha have been able to be led astray by hirelings. Individuals that didn't care. Individuals that just wanted their money or some acclaim or something like that and just didn't know about God and didn't care about God and never pointed them to the Good Shepherd. It stirs me when I see honest-hearted people that's been led astray by individual shepherds that couldn't care less for their life and their well-being, that couldn't walk and be a model to them. It stirs me inside, say, to see that the Holy Ghost doesn't like it and I am a temple of the Holy God. And God doesn't like it. It stirs me when people are used and abused by those that they trust and rely on. I see it in the world every day. People trying to take people's word part and uh, they come out and they're, they're hurt. It, it stirred and it bothered me when Brother Colin came and I could see he was hurt. I could see something inside that was despairing inside. And it bothered me that people would do us that way. That friend, something inside of me showed inside and said, let them do it. Let the heat and rage and imagine vain thing that God is still on this throne. He still watches after His people. He still knows where we're at. And He still knows where we're going. And He still knows where He's going to lead us. But something stirs inside when God's people are ridiculed and forgotten because their faith doesn't just reach a certain peak. And they look down upon, you've got a sickness in your body, you've been prayed for, and been prayed for, and been prayed for, for some of the best people that's still there. And people look at you with disdain and say there's something wrong in your life. If this hasn't happened, friend, it 
stirs something inside of me because I've been there. I've walked eight long years with the insults of the devil ringing in my ears and my lack of faith as they looked at me and said, if you had any faith, you wouldn't be that way. But I was stirred inside and the Holy Ghost of God was not dead all that time. He just looked and whispered in my ear and said, boy, I'm here. I'm here. I'll see you through. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I've seen times I couldn't shout and I knew God was there. I've been in the valley. That's where I grew. I didn't grow on the mountaintop. I've been through desperate times. I've been through times when I wondered myself where I was at. But God was still there. God was still there. And I'm stirred at people being ridiculed because of their lack of faith. Some of the plights that they're in say if your faith was just right, it just just right, you wouldn't have these things. Friend, listen, I remember Old Testament and New Life where the psalmist David said, Yea, though I walk through the valley on the shadow of death, he walked through dark places, places of death. He said, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. He knew that God was preparing a place. He knew that. He knew that it was dark now. As the old black brother used to say, it's Friday. It's Friday. He'd say that just before Easter time. He'd say, I know it's Friday now. That Sunday's coming. That Sunday's coming. I, I remember somebody telling that in the pulpit. And he said, that man got up. He was a great anointed preacher. And he got up to preach uh, an Easter message. And now those are the only words that he said. It was Friday. Things were dark. Jesus had just been crucified. And that's all he said. It's Friday now, saints. It's dark in this world. But then he said, but Sunday's coming. And the roof came down. Presence of God came down. In other words, resurrection time was right around the corner. Hallelujah. And friend, it's still there. Sunday's still coming. Time of the resurrection of the saints of the living God is still there. God still has got it there. He hasn't forgotten us. Those that are sleeping in the grave, He knows they're there. Hallelujah. Yes, it's coming. It's coming. And it stirs me inside when we have God's people take His mercy and His grace for God. Come on, shout. You know, it's so. It bothers you. It bothers me. And that's, that's when the Spirit starts stirring inside and I can't say, God, don't let it happen. Because I need challenging this. I'm human enough. Yes, I am. I'm human enough to relax. And human enough just to, to take things for granted. Sure, I've received the mercy of God and the grace of God. But there's thousands out there that have never been touched by His mercy. Have never known His grace like I have. There's individuals out there that's alcoholics just like I am. That's laying on skid row just like I was. That's laying on skid row. And the, the last thing they would ask for before they breathed their last breath would be a drink. They're out there knowing nothing about the salvation of God. Knowing nothing like I know about when that presence of God comes in and He changes you. And that one time that held you captive can't hold you captive anymore. You're free from that. There's people out there that don't know this. And I take it sometimes and I get stirred when we dwell in our own sealed houses while the house of God lie waste. 
Yes, it bothers me. It bothers me, and that's... And I don't want you to misunderstand this. I wouldn't have you to misunderstand it for the world. And, and I appreciate the, the abilities of this young congregation with what it's done and what it's accomplished. And I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to push you into something uh, that maybe you'll be sorry for. But I can see the need of a building. I can see the need of a church. I can see the need in this town of something going up where people will look and say, that's for real. That's going to be here. And the need of expanding our ministry. Now I can also watch and look out and I can see uh, pretty close to $700 that we're giving to somebody else that could very well go in something that belonged to us or even more. We need to become stirred about this. Stirred even more than we are. And saying, God, it can't continue to happen. We've got to do something about it. There's a miracle around the corner for us. It stirs me when hundreds of souls go out into eternity every day while many of the churches today nestle securely in their nest of traditions and shed no tears, pray no intercessory prayer, and seek no lost souls. I'd have to say, God, some way, let that spirit that maybe is inside of us a slide dormant for some time and we become satisfied. God, some way, let it become restless. Let it bother me so much that I cannot sit on my seat, that I cannot do without my prayer, that I cannot do without my Bible reading. Stir me inside, Lord. Let me know it's not nervousness. It's just you inside that's stirring me with conditions of the world. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for the stirring of the Holy Spirit of God. I thank you for dissatisfaction that I feel inside my spirit. I thank you for that because it prods me to do better than I've ever done before. I say this, friend, in closing. God, stir our hearts to the degree that we have never known before. And I know we have been stirred. I know we have. I know, I know there's a basic foundation inside of us and a desire. But God, some way, stir us until we're not satisfied with just a few moments of prayer. Just a little time of witnessing, but God stirs to the place where we won't be satisfied until we seek your face and intercede for a soul that's lost. You know the best way in the world to get your mind off of your troubles is get among somebody else's and realize that you have God and he's going to take care of you, but they have nobody to take care of them and pray for them. And that's what we are for. I want you to stand right now, lift your hands to God in heaven. And I want you so.